Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast, and we are back, baby, after a pretty long break. Hope everybody had some good Thanksgiving together. We are going to be running through a pretty decent size. We'll have five games here on Monday after a decent size Sunday, I should say. So we've got some picks at best bets in this one. We've got play-up props up in our other video as well. So continue to follow along, like, and subscribe to that page. We are also uh, want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have all the great written content we're putting up on the site right now. And you can use that odds finder tool. Make sure you're getting the best juice available to you from all of these books giving us bets this season. Nate, let's just go ahead and run right into your first best bet for tonight. Lakers plus six at Philly. I think it opened at four and a half and got some big tickets on the Sixers. Uh, but, you know, some books have moved the number a little bit. But I think with with six points, I love the Lakers here. It's pretty similar to starting last week, I think, with the Cavs getting a big number at Philly. Um, I mean, the Sixers are now 0-3 against the spread, their last three at home. Uh, they could not cover against the Cavs. They barely clawed to overtime there. And their defense is, has not been great uh, in that span after like a really hot start against maybe just feasting on some some bad teams in terms of their defensive numbers. Um, right now, I mean, the, their last five at home, a 120 defensive rating, negative one net. And Bede is getting his points, 31 a game, <clears throat> uh, but only 47.5% shooting, not, not great for him. And he's a minus 28 in those games. And I think the bigger red flag is that they've only hit 10 threes a game at 33%. And that's what the Lakers are going to give up, right? I mean, they're a team like the Cavs that can match size with the Sixers team, force you to move it around the perimeter and, and hit some shots. And if the Lakers aren't doing that right now, uh, they they still had Cam Reddish out there. Maybe they're more reliable three-point shooter in terms of just a specialist. Uh, you know, I wonder about that, about their ability to get points from the perimeter. So, I, I mean, LeBron James is going to find a way to hang in the fourth quarter if he's fully committed to a game right now, it seems. Um, I mean, him and AD, both good numbers. Their last few against the Sixers, I know they haven't necessarily translated to wins, uh, but, you know, look at the supporting cast for them in some of those games. You know, the last last trip to Philly for LeBron, he played 44 in overtime alongside, you know, Westbrook, Pat Bev, just not not offensive threats around them. The, while, while the Lakers, um, they may, may not be hitting threes, Um you know, they, 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 they still have a better offense than that. But it's more about the defense here um, and the fact that they're decently well-rested, right? I mean, only played one game since Thanksgiving. That was on Saturday, so normal rest. And in their last three, uh, I mean, third in defensive rating, their number one limiting free throws on the season, number one, um, number seven limit, uh, limiting centers, and number one in fourth quarter points allowed. The clutch numbers are really the biggest stark thing. So if we get a close game here, I, I don't think the Sixers are going to be able to pull away because the Lakers in the clutch seven and three, fifth best net, fourth best defensive rating. Sixers in the clutch two and four, twenty eighth in net, dead last defensive rating, and that's only a mark better, one thirty three defensive rating in home clutch situations. Still negative thirty four net rating at home in the clutch. I mean, Grant, they, they, I think most of their clutch games at home have come against those Celtics, but. Look, a similar matchup just with with the Lakers and Cavs. Again, like they can pack it in, they can match size and make it tough enough on Embiid. And um, you know, we'll see where where the Sixers are going to find points otherwise. Uh, but I think LeBron and company bring it in this matchup. Yeah, I actually on my early look felt a little bit better about the Sixers. I don't feel good enough about, at six points either way, to be honest. Um, my my thing with this game is like it's it's. I don't, the numbers are 
pretty even on both sides in a lot of ways. Now, the clutch numbers definitely support what you're saying. The thing that I turn to is where this game lies in Philly's schedule right now. And that's really what I was looking at with this game is Philly's had a rough go of it as of late. Like their easiest games were Atlanta and Brooklyn for sure. And and honestly, those were uh, a couple of road games as well. So it's, they've only had one home game in their last five or six. Um, and, and in that time, it's it's been a lot of uh, who they play. They played Boston already. Uh, that was their home game. And then got Minnesota, Cleveland, OKC. They're about to have the Pellies again, and they're about to have the Celtics again. This feels like a game they kind of need uh, going back on the road for those two tough games after playing so many tough games like this. It does with the rest. It's it's even on both sides at this point. So for me, the, the sort of try hard is there for Philly. But the the um, the spread is isn't in a place that I, I'm, I'm finding too much value at this point. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaving it alone, but we'll see what happens in that one. One that I do feel comfortable with, and it's a game where we don't necessarily know who's playing for Utah, but I still like the Pelicans to cover uh, in Utah. And right now it's at five. I would still hit that. Um, I, I don't really like it too much further up, but at minus five, I'm good with it. I think we're getting value because the Jazz just beat the Pelicans. That's also why it opened at around three for the Pellies instead of the five that it got bet up to. Obviously, some people agree with us. They just lost without Zion, though. And the, the difference of between having Zion and not having Zion is starting to really rear its head for this team this season. Part of that being CJ's not around. Trey Murphy, the third, also not around, hasn't played this season yet. And that's going to be that's why Zion's presence has been so much so glaring, really, and, and his absence as well. Uh, right now, with and without Zion this season, the defensive rating really takes a huge hit, goes up about five points per 100 without Zion. The offense also gets a little bit worse per 100 without him. Uh, the on-off stuff is also the same, whether he's in the game, like if he's available, those are his numbers with and without him. His on-off court numbers, pretty much the same, a little bit worse on offense without him even than that, about three points worse per 100 when he's off the floor. The reason it also used to not be so glaring is he wasn't that good with Brandon Ingram. And that was the case at the very beginning of the season. Through the first eight games, these two were a minus 8.8 net rating on the court together. Never going to be good when those are your two best players. Imagine if AD and LeBron were a minus 8.8. That team would have zero shot in hell. Uh, the last uh, five games that they played together, however, they're up to a, a positive 27.8, basically 28 net rating in 60 minutes on the floor together. They're figuring stuff out, and, and the spacing looks a lot better, and that's also the reason that this team is 5-2 and two over its last seven and has gone on a nice little run. The two games they lost, Zion was unavailable. So they're, they're, they're cruising with Zion in right now. It's just a matter of how often he can stick, stick around. You might be worried about how good the Jazz have been limiting rebounds. Uh, I faded Jonas Valanciunas the other night uh, against this team because of that. But at the same time, Walker Kessler is still sort of creeping his way back. Uh, he's he's played 21 minutes in his first game back from injury after missing like seven games. We'll see how much he, he's definitely going to start to get a bit of an uptick. But he came off the bench. We don't even know if he's going to start in this one. We don't know if Markinen's going to play. We don't know if Jordan Clarkson's going to play. Um, and if, they, if their offensive weapons aren't there for them, I don't know how they hang with the Pellies with the 26th defensive rating in the league right now um, and allowing the third most points per game to, to power forwards and a bunch to small forwards as well. Like the two areas from where the Pellies are going to attack this team are going to be exactly where they're weakest on defense. And uh, especially if Markkinen doesn't play, they're not going to be able to hang around in this one. Yeah, which is why I have a similar angle here. Um, if you don't want to mess with the spread, you can get plus 108 if you just uh, same game parlay with Zion and Ingram to both score 20. I don't think the Pelicans are going to be able to win this game without them both doing it. Um, you know, I, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, I believe I had this this parlay, but I had Ingram up to 25. I, I meant to kind of flip it and put Zion at 25 because he's more reliable scorer 
Um, and sure enough, it was Zion who got the 25, whatever. That that This is a more conservative play, and it kind of deals with the uncertainty of whether Markkanen or, or Jordan Clarkson are going to play or not. Because if you if they do play, you got to like some overs here in Utah, the way New Orleans has been playing offense, playing faster, and the way these two guys are scoring. Yeah, Josh mentioned it, third most points to power forwards from Utah, also the fourth most to small forwards. And Ingram just had a pretty productive game without Zion. <clears throat> he has 20-plus points in eight straight with Zion, to your point about them playing together. The Pels have won five straight with Zion. Uh, and in his last four, he's averaging 27 a game, 20 uh, on 61% shooting. He's a plus 51, pretty similar to his last six numbers against Utah, which has never really had a good defensive power forward uh, where he averages 28 a game, 61% shooting for those in Utah. Utah on the season, allowing six most paint points. That's actually up recently, even with Walker Kessler coming back. They allow the second highest two point percentage. Um, and you know, they, they had some good defensive slip blitz at home earlier in the season, you know, start this, start this month against Memphis, Orlando, Portland offenses that don't really scare you. Then Phoenix came to Utah and we saw, you know, those games were just crazy shootouts. So the Suns get 135 a game. KD averaged 39 book got 25 and 11 and a half assists. So I expect the two stars to have plenty of success. Um, you know, I actually tr- might trust them more if the Jazz get their two best offensive guys back because I think the game state will be higher scoring, more free-flowing, and I think the Pelicans can still win this game uh, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting ahead of too. Now, the minus five, the little move to five from three and a half in that game, not that you're worried about it, just for the record, that, that is one that like I do worry about a little bit if it starts to keep creeping, if the, the Utah guys are playing. I still think it can be close. I don't like like a six or seven point spread on the road for the Pels if the Jazz are at full strength with Markinen and Clarkson. That said, the money line bet is still safe at this point, and, and even like a minus three and a half to minus five bet still feels safe at this point with how well the Pellies are playing. So uh, just keep an eye on it. But the money line bet, either way, I think is good to add to your to your SGP in that one. The final game I'm going with, also a same game parlay here, and I was looking at that Portland and Indy game. Portland on the second leg of a back-to-back, trying to figure out how I could uh, just attack the Blazers. So we've got Bruce Brown over two and a half assists, or go two plus assists if you'd prefer. I'm okay with the two plus. That feels like a guarantee. The two and a half is to keep our juice up a little bit. Miles Turner, five plus boards, Indiana money line, and also an Indiana alt team total at 120.5. Those odds are actually at plus 146 right now on DraftKings. And I'll just start with the Bruce Brown assist here. Bruce Brown has gone over uh, three in eight of his last 10. He actually went zero over zero times in his first five games with this team. I do uh, attribute that pretty heavily to the fact that he was figuring out how to play with this team and and their offense has only gone straight up since that time. They also played Boston and Chicago in those first handful of games. And that was the two of the times that the, they have not gone over 120 points this season. And that was two of the only three times they've done it against really choppy teams. So the assists are going to be there for for Bruce because he gets them in transition. He has two assists per game now on the, on the season in transition. And that's obviously because he's so good at getting the board and going. He's so good and versatile at just getting out and going, even if he's not the point man, of which he's actually been the point man a decent amount, obviously, with these assist numbers. Uh, Portland does allow the second most assist to shooting guards. They are the worst transition defense as well. Uh, I'll talk about that in one second. And, and so the fact that Bruce thrives there is, is a good bet for him to get the assists in this one. Um, Turner rebounds. Portland allows the, the fifth most rebounds to centers. Another chance for us to sort of 
talk about dominating and how he's not doing it uh, because he does give up the fifth most uh, uh, rebounds to his opponent. They have the fifth worst rebound percentage in the NBA does Portland and look, the Pacers are not much better, but miles Turner's individual rebound percentage is much better. Um, He's gone five plus in uh, 11 of 13 games this season. I really just wanted to find a nice line that I could feel comfortable with. He went over versus Aiton in his last three, including both last season. One of those games, he got five boards in 21 minutes uh, and didn't even play that much in a really ugly affair between the Suns and the Pacers. Um, And he's up to 14 rebound chances per game. So the 14 rebound chance is really where I, I stand. It's like clearly even on, on the, um, the fast breaks, he's, he gets out sometimes, but he's also happy to sort of stand back and be the anchor and get those boards up the way that he has as much lately. Um, and so finally, just Indy to win. I, I don't think I need to explain that. They're a very good team. The Blazers are not a very good team. The spread is up to about 13, I believe. The team total is an alt uh, up to 120 and a half. If you want their core team total bet, it's 127.5. That is not an over-under for a team that you will often see, but very impressive. Uh, the, it's all about the transition stuff. They get the most points in transition per game, 21. Uh, they actually a- average a few more than 21, but in their wins, they're averaging 21 fast break points per game. In their losses, they're averaging 13. So this is obviously a very important stat to them in their success. Portland allows the fourth most points per game in transition. They allow a 61 field goal percentage in transition. That's far and away the worst, by the way. The second worst is like 56% in transition. So they are just allowing you to waltz to the rim when you get out on the break. The teams are scoring 56% of the time that they're just get on the fast break. You're going to score 56% of the time as betters. We know 56% is a great number if you can hit it. Uh, and if you're going to hit it in the transition, the way they are, that's going to be a given um, 120 plus in 12 of the 15 games. And like I briefly mentioned, Boston, Orlando, Chicago, three of the best defensive teams or whatever Chicago is just a muck it up. Nasty team. Only three times they've gone under in that Boston game, by the way, they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton. Neither did they for the Chicago game. So, uh, I would say this is a pretty good bet at 120 for them for the rest of the season. And especially against the worst transition D in the league. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I am going, um, interestingly, under on Halliburton threes because I think they will be able to waltz to the rim the way the way you pointed out. And Portland, both these teams are top four limiting threes, which also gives me confidence about the Miles Turner rebounds, less long rebounds, more down low stuff. Um, with Aiden out there, you actually have a true center, not always the case in the NBA these days. So, um, yeah, I might even go like higher the six or eight rebounds for Turner to, to juice it up a little bit. Yep. Uh, but also the fact that Malcolm Brogdon is back for the Blazers gives you a more competent offense, which, you know, gives the game state a little bit more. I think it helps you get to this team total because um, he's not getting back in transition as much, but he will keep the Blazers scoring and then forcing the Pacers to keep their their scoring tear going. You hope so. Yeah, it was a weird 108-102 game between them and the Bucks the other day. I don't know what's going on there. Obviously, that's going to be a much different look with a super try-hard regular season team like the Pacers uh, at home. So points, 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 Pacers to win, and uh, a few props in there as well from the boys. But, Nate, let's kick it off with, I believe, the first game of the night or one of the first games of the night there in uh, Detroit. Yeah, the Pistons trying to uh, stop stop this losing skid here, 13 straight. Luckily for them, the Wizards have lost about eight straight as in their own right and might look even worse depending on what metrics you look at. Um but I'll take Cade Cunningham, Cunningham to try to stop the buck here. I mean, he's really been playing well in his last four in the attempt to stop this losing streak. This is not a young man who's used to losing every game. Um, and, you know, you've seen the usage and the assist rate spike. So I will go with the core bet here, 31 and a half points at assists, which is high. But I honestly think 
He probably scores close to 30 on this Washington defense. Um, and then you can put a half unit quarter unit on the assists, which is seven and a half. It's very high, but again, it's Washington. They allow the most assists per game in the league, worst defensive rating. Uh, and you get plus money if you take the eight assists, but I think it's safer to take, to combine the two because if look, if he's not scoring a lot right now, he is assisting a lot. He's alternated between a 41% assist rate um, and then, you know, higher scoring games. And it's averaged out to 33% usage and 32% assist rate. That includes in these four games, you know, three of them tough matchups, Cleveland, Denver, Toronto. He gets, he gets Indy last Friday um, and goes for 31 and five dimes in, in a good game environment. The fastest paced team in the league. Wizards are the second fastest paced, but their defense even worse. Dead last in the league. Um, and particularly the point guards, they allow the second most assists, as you would expect, fifth most points. Jaden Ivey's back, which actually has done a slight increase in um, the assists per game for Cunningham. And even recently, I mean, this season, if you look at the smaller sample size, last four at home with him, averaging nine assists per game with Ivy in the lineup. The Pistons are still missing some depth outside of them, still not ready to debut Boyan, Joe Harris, Monty Morris. Um, so it is still these two young guards, you know, seeing what they got here. And, you know, Jordan Poole might not play. You'd, you'd love to see it if he does uh, from a defensive perspective, but not like the Wizards have. Uh, many, many lockdown guys here to deal with Cade. And I think at home, almost want to take the Pistons here to just finally get a win. Uh, and I think they need Cade to lead the way, obviously. Yeah, I don't understand why the Wizards aren't giving up more points from the perimeter. Like they are giving up plenty, but they're actually just giving them up a lot on the wing. And I mean, Cade is six six, like he's built like a, a big, small forward playing point guard. Uh, he's definitely the type of guy to get down there against whatever bit, little guards, basically, that Washington wants to throw at them with their lack of, of height and defense back there. So it's probably just going to be a lot of them getting him getting into the lane and then deciding what he wants to do from there. Does he want to hit his super smooth 12-footer or would he like to pass off to one of his guys down low? Perhaps Pogo Sticks is jumping over somebody and he can just throw it at the rim for him. So all of these things for Cade are, are, are a good bet tonight. I've got to go with an under of the best player in the NBA, Jokic, under 10 and a half assists. Do with this what you will. He's gone under in his last five versus the Clippers. That was my first thought when I looked at it. This is a good bet because he doesn't dime up against the Clippers. He averaged eight in his last five. He's only averaged 11 potential assists versus this team since last season when they played. That's that's. He have to assist every single time he had he had a pass on a potential assist, right? That's not realistic. The Clippers limit teams to the seventh fewest assists per game, in part because they limit teams to the fifth worst field goal percentage per game uh, in in each game. And it's just they they're playing good D, man. Tyron Lue knows what he's doing. They've still got two really long, uh, crafty wings that are starting for them. James Harden can't hurt them if he's just guarding the worst player on the other team every single time. I say that now, but it just it hasn't hurt them yet. Um, and either way, Jokic is not the way that they're sort of defending. James Harden's bad defense uh, in terms of the Clippers is obviously not putting him in a position to be taking guys on one on one. He's essentially out there in the corner. He's not really going to be collapsing on Jokic from his like below the block lazy boy line where he's where you just sort of hide your worst defender who can't even guard on the perimeter. So I'm not worried about that. It's the second leg of a back to back. And this is where I started with Joker, honestly, is wait a minute. He just played 35 minutes in a game that was played at a 105 pace versus the Spurs. 
39 points, shooting 29 times. His usage rate was up around 40%. Nine assists in that one, still went under. And just the five free throw attempts, meaning he worked for those points, dude. He didn't get to the line and get them. He made he went five for five, and that was it. And the other uh, 35 or 34 points, rather, came from all those field goals. Um, in his last eight games where we've been without Jamal Murray, his assist, potential assists actually go down, which might seem like it doesn't make sense because Jamal's not in, so he's got to dish more, but he actually has to score more. His usage goes slightly up. He gets three more points per game. He gets like half an assist more per game, but it's still not even at 11 assists, um, which is something that's just going to be a lot harder to do without a, a good player like Jamal playing off of him rather than thinking, oh, well, the point guard's out, so Jokic is going is to assist more. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. These, the potential assists actually go down. He was at 16 potential assists when Jamal Murray was playing early in, earlier in the season. That's dropped by three in those last eight games. So love you, Jokic. You're still my MVP, but got to go under 11 assists in this one. Is this uh, is this number up officially? Or are you projecting it? Yeah, yeah. Are okay. you not finding it? No, no, no. I mean, I just haven't seen an injury report from the Nuggets yet. And I like, yeah, you read off his numbers of what he did last night, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play tonight. Oh. Um, that, that's why, yeah. Gotcha. Like I, which, you know, obviously hurts you in either way. But, um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Gordon didn't play yeah. yesterday, which I would think Aaron Gordon is almost more correlated to his assists, um, the way he's able to get – those interior assists going with AG, um, right. you know, it's starting, starting to be more of a skeleton crew for these nuggets guys who don't know how to play off Jokic as well. So I don't hate it. Um, I think over on his rebounds would be a, a savvy play. If, if you somehow go in between the two um, because the way yeah. the Clippers are playing, yeah, it, it's been choppy, low scoring games, you know, 220 total here might go under um, and, you know, with Gordon out, he'll have to board up more. Either way, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's it's a big balls bet. Real quick, Nate, the, uh, the 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 Aaron Gordon news did actually impact the bet. To your point, um, it is at nine and a half now, and it's still juiced down uh, to the under. It's minus one twenty five if you want to take under nine and a half. I still feel good about that, to be honest. The under nine and a half, if especially without Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray is out, he's now like going to be day to day moving forward, but he's still out for for tonight's game. Okay, so yeah, a lot to watch there. Big balls bet though, yeah, from Josh, uh, and I will I will join you here with the scary one, half a unit only on Halliburton to go under three and a half threes against the Portland Trailblazers gets you slightly plus money plus one hundred five. <clears throat> Initially, I mean, my thought is like you, they don't need Halliburton to go off the way he has the last few games, the way you've seen him draining seven threes to beat the Sixers, you know, matching points against right. Portland team that's the lowest lowest scoring team in the NBA. I mean, this is. This is a matchup where the Pacers are going to showcase their depth, get up and down the floor. He's going to get points and assists. Like I'd be scared to go under 24 and a half points, which is where he's at. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be gunning from three. Um, Portland is a team that limits three point attempts over everything, allowing the fourth fewest attempts and even lower recently in the last three games, allowing just 30 attempts per game for what it's worth in seven matchups with Portland. Halliburton's only averaging 1.7 triples on five attempts. Uh, not a great percentage. He's five for 14 in his two uh, against Portland with Indy. He's only averaging 11 points per game in those seven games. I, I don't put too much stock in it. I mean, he's on an incredible heater right now. He is a, He's cooking. But I do put stock in Portland's defensive approach, which is to funnel things inside. Josh mentioned some things in the best bets that Indy should be scoring and scoring effectively in transition. But... I think that if sometimes when you score that efficiently, you don't have to shoot threes uh, or Halliburton doesn't have to be the one doing it. He can be setting guys up. So we'll see where the attempts are at. Uh, but four threes is a lot. 
especially, you know, if you get a game that's over in three quarters, because the the way the Pacers score and the way the scoring discrepancy is in terms of these two in points per game, I don't know if he has to play in the fourth quarter here, and then it would be easier to cash your under. Yeah, I I don't hate it. It's so many. Like, everything is so freaking high in this game and the Pistons and Wizards game. I feel like maybe the books have been getting killed on some on some overs and they just keep flying them upward or everybody. They just see everybody being like, oh, the Wizards, they don't play defense. And oh, the you know, the uh, the the Trailblazers, they suck as well. It's like I, I, I get it. It's just they're so high, man. Like at some point we got to start turning around on, on these overs for for these high scoring games and go like the blowout possibility is so high in this one. Things like that come into play. The, the margins for the overs are really starting to get very, very narrow and the unders become very, very sexy. So um, let me go with all that said and just take a little over, though, on something that's juiced way down to the uh, on the over there. Um, which is AD blocks, Anthony Davis, two plus blocks. It's minus 185 on DraftKings, which by the way, little trick. If you take uh, over one and a half blocks for Anthony Davis on his core line, it's minus 190. If you take two plus blocks, it's minus 185. If you go to alt and just hit two plus, um, it doesn't make any sense, but you get a little, you get a half a cent there. So go ahead and take it. Um, I, I would also ladder it up with 0.3 units on three plus blocks. That gets you up to plus 160. Um, even if that doesn't hit and the core bet hits, you're still up about 0.3 units on that one. So um, the last four versus Joel, this is all about Anthony Davis playing true center in the games where he's matched up with Joel Embiid, especially because there's just nobody else on this roster that you would feel comfortable even trying to stop Joel Embiid. And, and make no mistake, he'll have plenty of help down low. Um, but in, in the last four versus Joel, he's gone over this in all four with the two blocks. Uh, he's gone over the three, at least in uh, three of the last four. He's averaged 3.3 blocks in those games in 36 minutes. So it, it really comes down to a lot of AD plays big minutes to guard uh, Joel and to at least counteract on offense as well um, what Joel can do around the rim, trying to pull him away from it and, and play more of like a mid-range game against Joel and get those baby hooks in the lane and things like that. Um, and and the, that, that plus the need to guard him, which is why he's getting big minutes as well, Plus Philly shooting down low. Um, Philly is a team that will continue to attack the rim. A guard like Maxi, the only guy that really uh, has any kind of usage rate for this team that really stays outside the paint a lot is DeAnthony Melton, who mostly does his damage from outside or when he does uh, get out on the break with guys like Maxi. But the Maxi going to the rim, Joel Embiid, that just equals a ton of field goal attempts inside the paint and right around the rim. And that's where AD is going to have the opportunity to get blocks. That's why Philly does get blocked a decent amount and give up. Uh, they're in the bottom 10 in terms of allowing blocks to the other team because they're just going to be shooting so many p- shots in a blockable position close to the basket on the floor, et cetera. So um, all of this just combines to go like, this is a pretty good bet for AD. It's juiced all the way down, but I think the three blocks is still a good bet because like even in, in without this game in there, uh, in his last 10, AD is also getting the two blocks 70% of the time. He's getting three blocks 60% of the time. Uh, I think it's a, a solid play here. Can I get you to come around then on Lakers covering six? If AD's down there getting multiple blocks, making it tough on Embiid down the stretch, I think my favorite angle for this game is that expectation and the clutch numbers from the Lakers defensively to say live bet the under. Uh, we yeah. see a lot in the NBA right now, you know, fast, free-flowing games. But then in these in these matchups, especially when you have two teams with legitimate, you know, contention ability, uh, that you see it really slow down and turn into sort of a playoff game and, and the totals, the live totals drop from like 240 
to like 232 and it's just like wow this is this is going under as long as we don't go to the free throw line Lakers second fewest free throws allowed recently and and fewest on the season so uh that that would be my way to watch this game here on a small slate yeah I'm with it I mean I even considered AD like 23 and a half points because I do think he tries very hard in these scenarios and has gotten that in his last two facing Jojo with 31 a game uh over the last couple of times they've that they've faced off including last season it's just Man, don't you just randomly worry that AD doesn't show up? I I need to get that out of the back of my head as well so I can continue yeah. to bet him in good spots like this one uh, and not have that bias from the past. But that is all the time we have for you guys in this one. Continue to follow along. Check out the best bets. We are still up, what, 28 and a half units? I'm sorry, 30.55 units on the season here, rolling along into uh, the month of November as we as it comes to a close but check out the best bets we have and until we see you next aka tomorrow happy betting